the things that people think they're supposed to do when they become a manager are different than the things that ultimately make you successful. You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. It's a new year and you may be experiencing new responsibilities in your startup or a new position at work. Our next guest, Katie Tynan, is an author, speaker, and coach, and she helps new leaders master the transition to management. So this episode, we're talking about how not to fall on your face this year when it comes to your new responsibilities. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm glad you're here. Now, hey, this is a new year. We're turning a new leaf uh, on the on the clock. Is this a good time to jump into a new management role? You know, in a lot of ways, it's a great time. First of all, because a lot of organizations make changes like this at the turn of the year. So new budgets open up or new structures happen and things like that. So you see a lot of transitions as the new year emerges, whether it's a new fiscal year or as most organizations do by the calendar year. So it's a great time. It's also a great time to develop new habits. I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about a new year, think about a clean, fresh start. And so it's a good time to put aside some of the things that maybe aren't helping you <laughs> move forward in your career and and adopt some new habits that maybe will help you. Now, Katie, from your experience, you, you teach people how to succeed well in management. What are some of those uh, disasters or, or bad habits that people make? You know, I think no one intends to be a bad manager. In all the work that I've done, I've never met anyone who went into a new role thinking, gosh, I'm going to be terrible at this and that's what I want. You know, <laughs> I really want to annoy people and micromanage them. Nobody intends to be a bad manager. But the habits and the things that make you successful as an individual contributor are really, really different than the things that make you successful as a team leader or as a manager. Um, And so I think a lot of the disasters come from people not really understanding what the difference is and therefore not knowing how to make those transitions in a smooth and graceful way. So a lot of people jump right into management. They try, they do their best but they don't succeed. And then six months or 12 months down the road, when everybody around them is really unhappy, that's when they step back and say, gosh, maybe I should look at this a different way. (laughs) Maybe I should go try and get some support. And I always want people to get that support even before they start the transition. I would love it if people got new manager support when they were six months before their transition. But um, that's not typical. Again, we're joined with Katie Tynan, who is an author, speaker, and coach, and author of the new book, How Did I Not See This Coming? A New Manager's Guide to Avoiding Total Disaster. Katie, let's unpack your last statement where you said people often jump into management roles and don't know the responsibilities of a manager. 
could you make it a little bit clearer and say uh, when you when you become a new manager, you need to be good at X, Y, and Z. What's X, Y, and Z? Yeah, I talk about this a lot in the book because the things that people think they're supposed to do when they become a manager are different than the things that ultimately make you successful. So let's talk about that in in specific detail. Typically, if you're really good at what you do, you are in line potentially to lead a group of people doing what you do. So you have gotten there by being great, by being highly skilled, highly productive, and typically by being an independent operator. And then what people tell you is, oh, you just need to learn to delegate. You just need to tell other people to do that stuff. But what a lot of people trip over when they try and do that is those other people aren't as skilled as you are, and then you get frustrated because their work isn't as fast, as good, as whatever, as yours would be. So then you take it back and say, I'll just do it myself. So I would say that is the most common management disaster is attempted delegation followed by frustration, followed by trying to do it all yourself. And rather than doing that, what I think a lot of managers miss is that their role needs to transition to becoming more of a coach, more of a vision builder, somebody who shows people the end result that we're all trying to get to together and creates an environment where everyone can be successful. Now, that's not easy. (laughs) I can say that in a minute, but the actual practices involved in creating an environment and identifying strengths and, and helping people be engaged and motivated with their work and achieve their goals, that's hard stuff. And so that's where I typically see people falling down when they become new managers is that they've never been taught how to do those things. They don't even know how to start. And so they focus on very tactical things like time management. What am I doing today? What are you doing today? And typically that just magically transforms almost instantly into micromanagement, which nobody wants. Katie, I think you can also double as a relationship coach as well. (laughs) 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 Just because these same concepts, not to, you know, sidebar too long, but these these concepts are are, uh, critical at a relational level as well. I, I think in marriage, you know, two people come together and a person is strong at one thing. Um, and then they maybe try to delegate it to a, to their spouse, and then it's not done the way that they would want it to do, so they take it back. I'm not derailing the convo. I'm just saying I think you've got another career as well. <laughs> well, but you are hitting on something really important, which I say all the time when people come to me and say, especially in the IT industry, I never wanted to be a manager, but I had to in order to move my career forward, right? That's a really common thing that people who don't like management and maybe even don't like people get put into a management role because that's the only way to make more money. And I think that's a really bad thing for organizations to do because fundamentally, the best managers I've ever met are people who really like other people and develop those relationships and are very relationship focused. So if you do nothing else as a manager, if you just care about the people who are on your team and care about their success individually, you are much more likely to be successful than if you're fantastic at whatever your team does. Well, Katie, here's the million dollar question here. Can great management be taught? 
Oh, yeah. And taught and learned. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. I believe two things about management. I believe that it is a skill, a muscle, whatever you want to call it. It's something that we all have the capability of doing. So that's part one. Everybody has the ability to be a leader. But part two is there's no one right way to do it. Everybody has to find their authentic personal leadership style and ability. You can't lead like I do. I can't lead like you do. And I think a lot of people, you know, they get into a management role and they look at whoever was their manager and say, I just have to do what they do and I'll be fine. And it doesn't work (laughs) because what works for me is not going to work for someone else. So I focus when I do coaching on helping people find that place that feels authentic where they can say, oh, I get it. This is how I can help people be their best selves. This is how I can help create an environment where people can feel really successful. This is how I do that. And I think that's a really powerful thing. So I 100% believe that anybody can be a great leader. Anybody. It doesn't matter whether you're an introvert, whether you're an extrovert, whether you're knowledgeable about everything in the world, or whether you're you know, just out of school. I believe everybody has that capability. All right. Again, Katie Tynan, author, speaker, coach, who helps new leaders master the transition to management. And she's also the author of the brand new book, How Did I Not See This Coming? A New Manager's Guide to Avoiding Total Disaster. We're going to include that link in our show notes. So be sure uh, to pick it up and learn more about leadership uh, or or management. Uh, I'm getting tongue tied because that actually it's my new my next question, Katie. from your perspective, is there a difference between management and leadership? And if so, what's that difference? I do believe there's a difference between the two. And I think that good managers need to understand and be leaders, but not all leaders need to be managers. So you can have someone who is the leader of an organization. And to me, the, the real defining property of a leader is the ability to create a shared vision. It's somebody who can inspire people by painting a picture of what we could do together. So that's, to me, what a leader is. A manager is a person who takes that vision of the future and basically does the hard work of breaking it down to how are we going to get there and how are we going to get there together? These are the people on my team. These are what they're great at. These are where they need to develop. This is what we need to do to get there. So a manager is somebody who can bolt together all those pieces and also lead towards that vision, whether or not they personally created it. So to me, A manager has to have a sense of that leadership ability and has to understand how people are motivated and what inspires people to do their best work. But the tactical work of management is typically breaking down that vision into digestible chunks that people can do and then aligning those digestible chunks with the people who are best equipped and most excited to do them. Okay, let's dive into talking about your book. How Did I Not See This Coming? A New Manager's Guide to Avoiding Total Disaster. The book is all about a woman named Julie who's a top performer and she uh, went from being a a top performer to in a management role. Could you talk to me about the origins of the book and uh, just 
a quick preview of what our, our, our readers can expect. Yeah, I loved writing this book. I will tell you very honestly that I've written a lot of things and most of the things that I write are very practical because that's how I relate to people and <laughs> that's the kind of advice that I think is helpful. But when I was putting together this book and I was doing it in collaboration with the Association for Talent Development who published the book, we were talking about how to take some of these ideas which are not rocket science. I mean, really, the stuff that I talk about at the new manager level is stuff that lots and lots of people talk about. So I'm not Malcolm Gladwell. I'm not <laughs> talking about stuff that's like blindingly, shockingly exciting. It's fundamental. But I wanted to make it really relatable and accessible. So we were talking about how to do that. And we all know that storytelling is powerful. We know it from training. We know it from just relating to one another. That storytelling is something that turns on things in the human brain. So I thought, gosh, could I tell this as a story? And could I tell it in a way that helps lots of people relate to the story? And so that's when I started writing it in this form. And the story itself is an amalgamation of a variety of experiences. So it's not my story specifically, and it's not the story of anyone that I know, but it's also a really common story that a lot of people have experienced. And so when people read it, what they've said to me is, wow, this, this happened. <laughs> like some of these things happened to me. <laughs> How did you know? And it's just an experience. I think I compare it a little bit like the new parent experience. When you first have a child, you go through a whole bunch of things and you think you're the only person that's ever gone through those things. And then, you know, you go to your first mommy and me group or you go to your first parenting coffee and, and you hear that everybody went through those things. And it's helpful in some ways to know that you're not the only one that's had that experience. So that was really, for me, the goal in writing the book was to give people something that could help them say, oh, it's not just me. I'm not bad at this. This is something that is common and something that I can move through and get better. Yeah. And, and I, I believe that we often shoot ourselves in the foot as, as uh, leaders in an organization or, or HR. I'm, I'm speaking you know, as an HR professional running an HR uh, consulting company, and you're, you're right on with, with the profile of Julie. We, we take these high performers and we think, oh, they'll be a great leader, they'll be a great manager, um, but we fail to take into account two things. One, maybe Julie just wants to do what she's been doing and she loves doing that and doesn't want to do anything else, but then also, you know, when do we have time to coach people into being better managers or better leaders in the organization? Uh, that often is not available. Uh, budgets for, for uh, growth and professional development have been slim. Um, time is spent on being productive as opposed to the productivity of uh, actually learning and growing and self-reflection and mentorship and coaching. And so, you know, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of factors at play here that, that produce um, those bad days that Julie has, some of them being, you know, uh, her own um, responsibility, but most of them being the organization. Yeah, it's true. And I think it's a very common experience that 
that people have, right? And it's something, as you just alluded to, to say the resource issue is huge. So 60% of new managers get no training at all. And that number just astounds me. It's sort of painful. <laughs> but I know, I know why it's there, right? I absolutely understand the small and mid-sized business issue of trying to provide really robust support to a new manager, especially when a lot of the people who are making those decisions didn't get any support when they became managers. So they're sort of in the tough love, I got through it, you'll get through it too mentality. But I like to make the case that it takes a new manager with no support a minimum of six months and typically more like 12 to 18 months to work their way through that trial and error period and come to a point where they're at least stable, even if they're not perfect, <laughs> they're at least stable as a manager. And during that period, their team's retention rates and engagement rates take a nosedive. So I love to talk to companies about the fact that when you invest in managers, especially new managers, you're really going to move the needle on engagement. You're really going to move that has a direct impact on how people feel about their work because your manager is responsible for 70%, according to Gallup, of how you feel about your own engagement at work. 70% comes directly from your manager. So why not invest in the managers and have that ripple effect throughout every single team? You're multiplying that investment by the number of people that are on that person's team. So to me, it's a no-brainer to invest in those people. But I still have to make that case every single time I talk to an organization, <laughs> every time. Well, Katie, keep spreading the good news, uh, the good news of effective coaching and, and building up managers. I, I feel like I do the same. Um, so we're, we're in this boat together. We're, we're joined with Katie Tynan, who is an author, speaker, and coach. Katie, how can people reach you? So I'm, I'm all over the internet. <laughs> And I try to be really accessible. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me on Twitter at Katie Tynan. You can find me. I have a website, katietynan.com. Um, I also have a website called surviveyourpromotion.com, which is really meant to be a toolkit for new managers. It's where I put a lot of my um, articles and tools and guidance for new managers. So um, I'm happy to help and I'm happy to talk to anybody who is struggling or anybody who has an organization that wants to support new leaders and new managers. So reach out to me and I will be more than happy to, to help and to help figure out how we can make more new managers successful. Thanks, Katie. And since this is the top of the new year, do you want to end the note on a resolution that you have for this upcoming year? Yeah, it's interesting. So I am taking a leap this year personally to focus solely on this. So for the last probably 10 years of my career, I've been a consultant and I've done a variety of consulting things. But to me, the most rewarding work that I do is in this new manager space. So my resolution for 2018 
is to focus 100% on doing this work and on helping people achieve their goals and become great managers and inspire their teams. So that is my New Year's resolution this year. Um, and I, I always love the fresh new year, the fresh new start, and the ability to say, okay, let's start from today and let's measure it and let's see where we get. Love it. Katie, thanks for joining the Business Life and Coffee podcast. Thank you so much. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? Only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.